Listening to the Beyond the Page podcast, where we go beyond the Oregon State campus and into our communities to talk about the best thing in life art. This podcast is hosted by the PRISM staff, OSU's art and literary journal for students by students. I'm your host today, Tosca Rotolo. Today I'm joined by members of two beloved Corvallis bands, Aunt Jello and the Deans. Aunt Jello and the Deans will be playing at Rock the Plaza this Friday evening from 8 to 9.30 p.m. This is a free event to end e-week, so you definitely don't want to miss it. Here in the studio today, we have Sean Bullock, lead vocalist for the Deans and songwriter for the Deans. You can find their single Lonely and their EP Casual Stairs, produced by Aunt Jello, on all streaming platforms. I'm also joined by members of Aunt Jello. You can find their singles Ghost in the Atom, Advertisement, Moon Candy, and their most recent project, U235, everywhere you listen to music. Thank you so much for joining me today, y'all. Well, yeah, of course. So we got a lot of people in the studio today, a lot of voices. Why don't we start off by going and introducing each other and saying a little bit about like the instrument you play and a little spiel about your band. Yeah, I guess I'll start. Mm -hmm. We'll go this way. Um, I'm Jaden. I'm one of the drummers for Aunt Jello. Our other drummer's not here, so I guess I can talk about him right now, too. Mark, uh, he's also started around the same time as me back in uh, December of 2020. So that's about the same time we actually started playing with Angela, too, and kind of evolved from there. So um, kind of just been advancing there. I'm Angelo. I'm the lead singer and bass guitarist for Angelo. Um, it started as a solo project uh, three years ago. And actually, the first three songs on Spotify are just solo projects. But we've been writing so much music. It's been a great process, and we're excited to release a lot more. My name's Ian. I'm the keyboardist slash um, baritonist uh, for Aunt Jello. I've been playing music for most of my life and started jamming with Angelo a few years ago and now we sort of decided to make some songs together and share music with people. Yeah, um, I'm Isaac and I kind of am the most recent addition to the Aunt Jello. Um, I was kind of introduced through my roommates and I play saxophone. Uh, and also kind of started picking up some secondary, like, harmonic vocals, um, which I think bring a lot to our music. Uh, I'm Sean. I'm the only Dean here, but I'm the singer-songwriter. Uh, my other bandmates are Miles and Garrett Remdy. They're brothers from Santa Cruz. Uh, they play drums and bass. And then there's Zach Crawford and Alex Wright that both play guitar. Uh, we've been a band since before COVID, but Last but not least, I'm Nate. I'm the lead guitarist for Angelo. I've been playing with uh, Angelo for quite a while. We did our undergraduate degrees here at Oregon State, so we just started jamming, and then it eventually turned into a full-scale project. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, thanks again for joining me, everyone. Uh, Sean, we can start with you. Uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about the Deans, like the music y'all make, or your biggest influences for songwriting and for playing, 
and what are some things you're looking forward to in the future? Yeah, so the kind of goal behind the Deans is to make guitar music popular again, make it catchy and cool, uh, because I feel like recently in popular music it's all overproduced, electronic-based, you know, trap drums underneath it, and we just wanted to bring back, like, hey, here's a real rock band that's not just noisy, there's some substance to it. So a lot of the emphasis uh, on the guitar work is borrowed from bands like The Strokes or Interpol or The Velvet Underground, where it's all about the two guitars kind of working together and the whole band working as this sort of wall of sound. Um, and I borrow a lot of my vocal tendencies and flexions from singers like Jim Morrison and Julian Casablancas and uh, Lou Reed and kind of go for that kind of snarl thing that they do where it's like, is this guy drunk or what, you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's awesome. the goal. Awesome. And uh, I want to open up that same kind of question to all the members of Ant Jello, some like musical inspirations, things you're looking forward in the future. Just give me like a pitch, like what is the band? Mm -hmm. Let Jello take a lead on that. I'm sure we all got some stuff to show. Yeah, it's really cool because we all bring a very unique influence to the band when, when we write the songs. I think back to when we first had our first gig, it was uh, Sean invited us to play with the Deans last spring and I remember scrambling to make a set list and just like we had some songs that were just chords and you know turning this into actual songs. We had to you know put our minds together and really use our inspiration. I think I don't know you guys could say your inspirations too but I agree that the doors are probably my biggest inspiration ever and I think having a pianist and a guitarist playing both of those on a track you have to balance them really well because you know, they can cover up each other very easily and modify very easily. One of the bands yeah. we like to listen to a lot that does that pretty well, actually, is Queens of the Stone Age. Mm -hmm. They have a, yeah. some really cool mm -hmm. piano parts in a lot of their songs, that, but they also are very, you know, heavy rock guitar music, which is cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I also think that uh, something that we've been starting to experiment a lot with and I think is reflected in our new music that we're going to play on Friday is uh, kind of a more, like, jazz funk influence combined with that rock element and... Uh, coming from like bands like Snarky Puppy and uh, Saxophonist, I really like Cosmo Washington. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of like bringing a whole new aspect to rock and making it like our own artistic expression. You know, with two drummers, uh, we take a lot of inspiration from King Gizzard and the Ling Lizard Wizard. That's one of my favorites. Okay, mm -hmm. nice, yeah. Just, you know, two drummers, you don't want them doing the same thing all the time. Like sometimes it's nice, but ideally if you could have two unique parts, it adds so much to the song. And, that's one thing that we've really started to explore with recently as well. Yeah, it's been pretty exciting because like Mark and I are uh, pretty new in the game, but these guys have been playing music for a while. They have a lot of really great ideas. So when we get in the studio, there's a lot of stuff that we learn each time. And as we uh, kind of grow our arsenal of musical instruments that we have, like percussion bongos, a lot of cymbals and stuff that we've been adding, the sound just keeps getting deeper and deeper. So mm. it's been nice. He recently got a, like, a little sound pad where we can upload any sort of like mp3s on there and um, we're trying to incorporate that because it's just like unlimited possibilities so one of our songs we have like a thunder clap and like a storm sound so that's been fun to experiment with mm. how do you feel like the sounds of the deans <coughs> and the sounds of aunt jello like pair well together are they like mixing <laughs> sounds is it really different is it what, what's it like playing together in gigs? Uh, I think it's, yeah, I think it's very different. Uh, I feel like Angela has more of a, a groove thing than we do, whereas the Dean songs kind of like storm to the end of them. Um, 
And I think there's a lot more instrumental focus with Angelo, whereas the Deans, it's all about kind of decorating the vocal melody. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? You know, one thing I love about the Deans is I feel like the danceability is just maximized. I feel like every <laughs> Dean song, yeah. it, you go to a Dean's concert and... <laughs> Everyone's dancing. Yeah. It's a great time. Yeah, it, like, we're sort of like, I feel like we, when we compose music together, we're sort of like, trying to be very experimental with it and we're like oh let's try and throw in this time signature or just like do something unexpected and when you do that it's like can be surprising for the ear as an audience member and it's like oh shoot like I, I messed up my dance move there because like I didn't expect it to have this time <laughs> switch all of a sudden yeah one of our favorite songs, Argon, it actually goes into a waltz at the very end of the song mm-hmm. which is pretty unique we like to think and I think it throws the crowd off every time, which... We would like to encourage the crowd to learn how to waltz before our next concert. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, that's why we have it, we have him scream at the top of, top of his lungs, get ready to waltz, <laughs> right before that happens. So, you know, they're ready. <laughs> so maybe we should warn people more often when we switch time signatures. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like being yelled at to waltz. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty, like intense waltz you know it's definitely rock waltz yeah you're picturing like a nice like formal waltz no it's like a pretty like intense waltz going on Mm. have y'all had good crowd experiences do you feel like the kinds of crowds that you pull like the deans individually and angel individually bring some interesting people absolutely yeah i feel like usually they overlap quite heavily we've got pretty much the same fan base i think yeah yeah we yeah there's always uh the crazy people in the front row falling into my PA system. <laughs> and, uh, the weird dudes hanging out after shows asking me personal questions. and Yeah, it's, mm. it's a funky crowd, but it's the, you know, there are crowd, you know. Mm. So as weird yeah. as they are, they, they came to listen to us, you know. And it, it's always super dense. I don't know. Like when we played the Whiteside Theater, I don't, there's like 500, 600 people there. So I don't really know who was who was there, which is funny, because I tend to try to, like, run away and hide after the show, because I don't know what to... Everyone's always like, good set, man, that was sick, and I don't know what to say other than thank you, and then they kind of look mm. at me like, what do you got, man? I'm like, I, <laughs> I, I gave you what I had just now. Yeah. yeah. It is, like, a very... Uh, one thing I noticed from, like, doing shows, it's, like, you you receive, like, so much validation and, like, love from everyone and intention. Like, I feel, like... I don't know what it is, like serotonin or just like very euphoric and it's like, it definitely is a drug to like share your music with people and to be like appreciated for that. Mm. To have a whole room of people tuned in to what you're playing for them um, is like really amazing and like honestly, I, I love the Corvallis crowd. It's been really fun. I mean, obviously we have a mixed bag of like uh, backgrounds in music and like I played concert band and that type of things all through high school and like the experience you get from playing uh, like a show mm-hmm. for people is just like nothing else it's so fun and it's amazing I wouldn't trade for anything I would say this is like at least since I've been in Corvallis it's one of the first times that Corvallis has had it like established music scene where like we play together and you know, a, a bunch of other bands, we all play together, and the Deans, we will bring people from Portland and and Eugene, and we get hit up all the time from touring bands, like, hey, we want to play in Corvallis, can we play with you, could you set up a show? Like, mm. 
we played with a band, two bands from Utah, Brew and Guava Tree. I don't know. I think it's just cool for Corvallis to have that, uh, as opposed to all of our culture coming from like I don't know Greek life or drinking at bars <laughs> and things. It's something to go do, where it's this kind of release where we're all feeling this noise together and and getting through something that's fun, and you're not just you know throwing. Uh, ping pong ball into a cup mm. <laughs> it's yeah. been really cool how it's like translated outside of Corvallis too like I know the deans have played in Eugene probably some other spots outside we played in Salem and Portland mm -hmm. and you see like the same reactions out of like the bands you can tell everywhere there's there's happy to play for all the crowd no matter how big it is how small it is and the crowd seems to love it and so it's just something that drives probably both groups here yeah and do you feel like there's you've experienced any big differences between playing gigs in Corvallis and playing outside of Corvallis, Portland, Eugene? <laughs> I, I feel like Eugene, uh, they, they maybe take bands for granted a little bit uh, because they have so many mm -hmm. already and they've had a scene for forever. Whereas in Corvallis, I'll have dudes come up to me and be like, what's going on with those guitars, man? It like made me feel like I was at the beach, like I was like surfing or something. <laughs> and I'm like, it's just like, it's alternative music, man. Like I'll send you some bands or something. Like, That's crazy, man. Like. Corvallis is just stoked to have live music be a thing, whereas Eugene is like, that's just what they already do. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to try to impress them. And yeah. Eugene has some amazing bands also. You're going up against like E-Web and Mommy and some of the and Left on Red, and like that can be, I can imagine that'd be intimidating. Yeah, I, would, e I wouldn't great. say intimidated, but yeah, I, I love E-Web, yeah. Common Core is phenomenal too. Oh yeah, I of course. I love Common Core, yeah. It's nice there's a lot of like differences between all the bands mm -hmm. I like from what I've seen here in Corvallis at like local shows I don't think I would say like this band is really close to this band or like you know mm -hmm. sharing a lot of the same qualities everybody's got their own kind of thing that they're doing true Onion Machine sound is very unique too yeah. it's like every every band that I've listened yeah. to or watched in Corvallis has had some cool sounds mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome do you have a favorite like spot to play favorite gig spot so far in Corvallis? In Corvallis, I mean, the Deans, we love to play Bombs Away Cafe. We've pretty much sold it out every single time, and it's been awesome. Uh, it is kind of a bummer that it's 21 plus and we can't have like all of our fans there. Uh, but the sound is always so great, and they give us free beer, so. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we're looking forward to this um, next upcoming warm season, trying to get into some outdoor venues. Um, and like obviously, Angelo, we're pretty new on the scene here. Uh, we've only been a band that's been playing for like less than a year, but we are like absolutely stoked to be just getting to experience all the different venues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, last summer we got to play in my backyard actually here in Corvallis, and it was a beautiful sunny day. We played with Marigold, who I'm actually playing bass for now, as well as Onion Machine, and that was a fantastic show. I think just having a show in the outdoors under some nice weather is the best venue. By far. Yeah. Shout out Shout Marigold, by the way. Yeah. Solo artist from Eugene. Yeah, Joe plays bass. Great backing band. Awesome gal. Shows coming up are going to be awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Hell yeah. One thing we often have to consider, too, with venues is that if we're going to bring our whole set, we mm. have two drummers and a piano mm. and guitar and bass and sax. So it's, it's actually quite a lot of space. So we've thought about playing Bombs Away, but we're not even sure if we could fit on the stage <laughs> there, which is... Yeah, yeah as we, we could. <laughs> yeah. As we've no, been, like, uh, getting more equipment, though, I think it's uh, beginning to be more reasonable. Like Ian was saying, we have that sample pad. Mm -hmm. You can essentially fit an entire drum set inside that thing. So we could get compact enough to play some smaller venues. 
Yeah, I remember I saw you at uh, Rainbow City and kind of spilling out the sides yeah. a little. Yeah. And that was only with one drummer. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is also, that's been, like, a hard uh, consideration for us, like, trying to travel to, like, Portland or, um, like, we played a show in Salem, and it's, like, we're having to take, like, six cars on the <laughs> I-5 to mm. get all of our gear there, and it's just kind of a hassle, so. Yeah. But we'll, we're, we'll figure it out, you know. It's for the love of the music, so. Yeah. And kind of like on the subject of house shows, there's been like a little bit of, you know, talk amongst a lot of the bands in town about like keeping folks safe in the crowds, both with some experiences that people have experienced with moshing and just like assault in general and also with COVID. I wanted to know if y'all could talk a little bit because you've both played and hosted shows before. Uh, talk a little bit about the like practices you take to keep audience members safe. Yeah, so I have a, I've had a couple large men, male friends that I always try to get to watch and, and do security. Mm-hmm. Um, we've only really had, the deans personally, we've only really had a couple bad experiences at one particular show mm-hmm. that happened. And uh, from my understanding, it was you, it, the capacity was just, we didn't call it soon enough. Uh, and it was just so packed. It's like, how could, even if we had sober monitors, how could we watch? And it was a mass show, luckily, but it was like, how can we keep everyone safe in those circumstances? So I feel like knowing a hard cap when you have a house show is so important because, yeah, you want to make a bunch of money and you want to just load everybody in, but it's like you have to know at a certain point you can't keep everyone in there safe, whether it's COVID or whether it's assault or just moshing in general. When, when you're moshing with a crowd of 150 people in a tiny basement they're gonna fall over and they might get trampled or something like that you know you don't mm-hmm. want like an astro world situation in a house show like yeah i don't know hard cap yeah and it's not safe for the players either i remember i was at a um ivy league show once and people were like falling onto you and mm-hmm. onto the guitarist as you were playing and that that is scary yeah i like jokingly like taekwondo <laughs> so they know they gotta back up like it's funny, you yell back up, and that almost seems to create more conflict because they'll back up, and people still want to get to the front row. So then people are, like, pushing mm-hmm. each other, and it's like, ah, like, what can you do? Mm-hmm. I was listening to the Onion Machine podcast last night, and I really like, I forget who said it, but I really like the comment that the, the one with the microphone is the most powerful in the room. Mm. And so I think just, you know, when, when you're on stage and you see anything going wrong, you can easily call it out. Like, the PA's tipping is by far the most common. It happens almost every show because people get rowdy, they like to dance. Mm -hmm. And you'll see these things just start rocking and you have to just call people out. Please back up. Everyone's supposed Mm -hmm. to be safe here. This is kind of dangerous now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. I've definitely, we've had like just a few experiences of like people with drinks also getting really close to you when you're trying to play. Mm -hmm. And like me especially, I mean anybody's instruments, no one wants to get beer spilled on their um, like very expensive art piece, you know, and like that can be frustrating, but I do think that most people, if you just, like, try to communicate with them as best you can, like, they are respectful at the shows, which is good. Yeah. My favorite thing to say is, like, dance side to side instead of front to back. <laughs> mm, yeah. Because front to back, they're, you're going to fall forward on your head. But if you're side to side, you're not going towards the band. You're it's just, just good hip movement. There's just yeah. walls. There. There's walls. <laughs> yeah. You can't fall over if there's a wall, so. I'll never forget. We had a show... I think it was just the Deans and another band were playing at the Ivy League, and all the por- the posters that were on the wall just got torn to shreds. And it was honestly the saddest thing, because they were all such sick posters. And 
Yeah, I had a poster of Frank Zappa on the toilet, and it just got ripped off, man. It's uh, the crowd mentality, uh, I guess, yeah. when n you know that nobody's going to see what you do, and you can just get away with it. Yeah. Some people just... Like, I think with that show, it was like, <laughs> that was before we would, like, after the last band went, and we'd tell everyone to get out. You um, know, we used to just, like, party afterwards. Yeah. Horrible idea. <laughs> Random people who didn't even come to the shows would, oh. would come and show up and be mm -hmm. like, what happened here? Is this just, like, a frat house? Like, no, man. <laughs> Yeah. We were just rocking. Yeah. People kind of forget that it, like it's a house that people live in. I'm like, yeah, like that was your poster or like people are stealing things from people's rooms. It's like, dude, somebody's going to live there tonight. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I think accountability is usually pretty good, though. Like in general, the majority of the crowd is doing like what you'd expect, doing the good thing. And like if people mm -hmm. usually see something like wrong, everybody's going to team up on the good side and kind of try to get it going the smooth way. Yeah, I think one of the main things is like, uh, as I've talked about before, like Corvallis is not used to having a house show scene. So I think show etiquette is new to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But when I see the same faces over and over, then I feel like the crowd is more safe. Yeah. What are the like biggest like rules of show etiquette, I guess you'd say? like the, If somebody's going to a house show in Corvallis for the first time, what would you tell them? Like the, the most important things they need to know. Dance side to side. <laughs> someone, I don't remember which band it was, but at a house show we played, um, someone kept saying, like, mosh with consent. Um, that was. Moshing yeah, is totally acceptable. Obviously, like, it's fun. Like, I've been in a pit before. It's, like, a good time. But, like, don't be in there intentionally trying to harm people. Like, mm -hmm. be in there trying to have a good time. And if things start getting crazy, then, like, you should know, like, okay, we gotta, like, stop it. Like, take that initiative as a person in the crowd. Mm -hmm. If you wanna see, like, the show continue on, then, like, don't be doing stupid and reckless stuff, you know? Yeah, that was a house show we did with Onion Machine. Mm -hmm. It was actually their manager that was saying that stuff. Mm -hmm. They do a really good job at kind of, like, organizing stuff before it gets up and going, mm -hmm. rather than when it's too late. They do proactive approaches. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, that's what we all try to do to mitigate the consequences before they happen. Sweet. So we can talk a little bit also about Rock the Plaza. Are you guys excited for that Friday? Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. So pumped, yeah. 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 What was the process of like getting to play? Did people reach out to you? Did you volunteer? It was um actually my friend Carly, mm -hmm. who's on the engineering student council. I can't recall her position, but she might be the head. And she just invited Sean and myself to, awesome. to talk to our bands. And, we were both very excited to, to play. I've learned that engineers love rock and roll over the <laughs> course of the past year. <laughs> yeah, I guess they used to do this every year. I had no idea just because of COVID the past year. And I just knew they had Dam Jam once a year yeah. at Oregon State, but this is really cool. Yeah, and it's going to bring a whole new crowd of people that may maybe have never heard your music before, like people living in the dorms, people who you know kind of don't leave OSU maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. And you said earlier that you're maybe doing some new music? Um, well, I mean, yeah, f we've, we have a whole set that we've wrote all original songs for that, I mean, I personally think that they're amazing. Um, <laughs> but obviously we, we haven't had those, haven't had a chance to record. Um, that process is just extremely cumbersome and takes a long time. And so like that will be coming out on Spotify eventually. You can uh, peep it. We're working on a fresh single called nicotine right now um should be coming out somewhat soon but yeah, yeah. uh we've we got a song called sodium that we've only played in portland so it's going to be new to corvallis as well as wave inertia that's never been played live before mm -hmm. and 
Aunt Jello actually also has a surprise for everyone, along with Sean here. We're not going to say any more there, but get ready. I was everyone. about to talk about You're it. You're not so going to want to miss it. It's yeah. Yeah. Oh, what man. What are we even talking about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Deans, we always, I always have like at least three songs that I'm still trying to teach to the guys. So like I try to get like a new song on the set list every month and then we're shopping different avenues of recording with studios mm -hmm. right now um yeah figuring out the rates and stuff or like whether we not whether or not we want to like gamble on trying to get a bunch of songs done in a short amount of time or yeah it, it as uh isaac said it is it's cumbersome uh to record so I'd also like to mention, like, one thing I really appreciate about Angela's, like, writing process is, like, when you say, like, you're having a new song, like, when we practice our sets, um, like, even our oldest songs will be like, oh, let's try this, like, I have an idea here. Um, so, like, really, when we, each time we perform, like, all these songs you've heard before like are new in some way because we're just constantly trying to like add new ideas or sort of experiment with them because like your first like composition of a song like at least in my view like that's not going to be the final form and like when people when the ideas come like I think it's good to experiment with them and like say yes to them even if we do have like a recording out there already yeah, yeah. And I mean, there's absolutely songs that we've wrote new stuff for, and then like a couple weeks later, we're like, eh. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't really know how we feel about that. And we go back, or like we'll take that idea and run with it, and like figure out a way to make that work. Um, and I've noticed too. I mean, you get better as a, a music player every time you play a show. Remembering back to you know some of our early jams, and then thinking to how we sound right now, it's yeah. kind of night and day difference. Like it, it's very noticeable how much better we've gotten. I'm not to brag about our skills or anything. <laughs> no, just like having to like play for people really gives you like a sense of urgency of like wanting to polish up everything you're doing and like when you're performing uh, regularly you always have that incentive to keep improving. Yeah. I think playing the songs live also helps you figure out where the dead spots are mm, yeah. or like what the good what the best song that you have is based on the crowd response or like what song would be the most popular if you did record it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that was what was so difficult during like COVID when we couldn't play live or even during like the early part of January, late December when COVID spiked again mm -hmm. and we couldn't play any of our new songs in front of a crowd to see is this one that works or is there is this timing switch up too weird for the crowd to follow? Uh, so yeah, the crowd helps, and also rehearsing the same songs over and over, it gets very monotonous, uh, but the crowd makes it new every single time. They react differently, they have different dance moves, mm -hmm. yeah. That is interesting, like, the difference between just, like, performing in your studio, uh, just a live take, and then going out and performing for people, it's like entirely different um, mode you're in and like you can really concentrate on like what is different there in terms of like your ability to play and now you have like all this extra energy like there's uh, we have like a tendency to rush 
our like the tempo and our music and that's like a pretty common thing but like it definitely is a different uh, it's a different way to play when you're playing in front of people I think perhaps also what makes recording so cumbersome is you're trying to make up for that visual stimulation that you get when you play the show live. Like I, I remember recently I was, I was watching this interview of the guy who recorded the soundtrack to West Side Story. Sorry, I'm like a musical theater nerd. But the guy who recorded West Side Story uh, for like an album, he sped up the tempo like 1.5 times because there was no visual stimulation. So there's like weird tricks mm. that professionals know in the studio that uh, amateur band doesn't necessarily know. Yeah. Absolutely. Also yeah. when you record, you, you want to get as close to the perfect take as you can. So if you play a whole take and you mess up like once or twice, then you kind of want to do the whole thing again. And mm -hmm. so you kind of get into this feedback loop of just trying to perfect it when that just takes a lot of time to do that. I think that's why rock bands often take longer to put out albums as opposed to mm. hip hop artists who can drop, you know, two albums a year sometimes because they're just like they're looping an instrumental and then writing different words over the instrumental whereas a rock band's like we have to get the, one we have to get perfect takes, two we're trying to come up with like brand new chord progressions and brand new like unique vocal melodies so it can be more difficult at times. Yeah, and both sound great, but like when you're recording in that kind of style, the live music just isn't as exciting anymore because you're singing over a track ultimately rather than watching guitars, drums, saxophone going off. You're kind of just computerizing your performance, mm. which is less exciting in my opinion. Would you ever be interested in recording like a live album or live performances? Angelo mm -hmm. has been anticipating that for a while, and we're going to try to do it this Friday. Oh. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see we'll see how it goes but i i have high hopes i think we can get some at least most of the songs on the set like if not all of them i have confidence we could get every single song in the set yeah. in a good live take but you know it's life things yeah. happen we, so. we attempted at rainbow city but ultimately we decided like that point we had kind of uh some recording issues and stuff in terms of like feedback during performance too the acoustics so, there were kind of weird right mm -hmm. right that's another reason i'm excited for rock applause i mean the setup's awesome so yeah. i think yeah. recordings this is outside yeah. for sure are like going i'm expecting to be our coolest um like setup wise mm -hmm. coolest show yet so you guys know more than i do what do you mean what? <laughs> <laughs> we got like this diagram of like the stage and like where we're like, there's little stands, too, for the drums, right? Oh, they actually Two had to remove those just because, you know, the deans are going to play right after. And so they'll just have the drums on the same plane. But there's going to be a nice stage, and there'll be a nice sound system. You know, Oregon State, they have a lot of nice equipment. Probably some lighting rigs, too, from, from other shows I've been to at the Plaza from, like, my freshman year before COVID. They have pretty cool, like, LEDs and stuff going, so. And the sound will be a lot more pristine compared to like house shows because you don't have that big wall of bodies just blocking the <laughs> and, sound. And you're not in the basement. Right. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super low ceilings. <laughs> yeah, because I, I don't know what y'all think, but some of my favorite albums recorded by professionals are live albums. I mean, of Montreal's live album, mm -hmm. The O.C.'s live album, all of the King Giz live albums, like Absolutely. they're all amazing. And you get that, like, it's not perfect or like a mm -hmm. Dead Kennedy's live album. Like mm -hmm. you get that background noise you get the people screaming you get the like hagglers but you get that like natural feeling too as well exactly and yeah. sometimes and, magic and you get happens the, i feel like people often play their best solos or like improvised takes when it's like 
you're sitting in front of a crowd and you're like, I gotta do something cool mm. to like really get the crowd going. And you start doing something, then you're like, oh, I, I really like that. And so they're like, I'm gonna do that again. And like, or like as a, I did a lot of jazz band in high school and like the number one thing that my teachers always told me is like, if you make a mistake, then just keep playing it. Cause then it's not a mistake. It's just an intentional mm. like missed note, you mm. know? And so like you get things like that in live takes that um, like even professionals make mistakes when they're doing a solo and that just makes it so much cooler. I think that's perhaps like where the Deans and Angela differ because it's like all every note we have is planned mm-hmm. and we try to make it look like it's happening in the moment but I think you guys do have room in your music for improvisation mm-hmm. uh, which is probably why a live album from us wouldn't be as interesting as like a jam band would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly like a lot of the songs we play, like I'm, I don't play them the same, like over and over, like at all. Like I just know the chords, and like I'm just sort of doing what I think sounds good in the moment. But I haven't really sat down and like um, just done like a note for note part, uh, just because like to some extent it's nice to have the liberty to change it up. Uh, and that obviously it makes it more difficult to like decide on like a finalized version for like a recording. Yeah. 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 I think I'm perhaps new too uh, like neurotic to uh, leave it up to the moment. <laughs> and uh, with a lot of like rock bands like the Deans, you can really hear like the parts that are different than like if you've heard them before, if you've heard a recorded versus like what you were saying before with the jam band. There is a lot more room to change and bend where it's like if you're playing like specific rock song people are like that sounds different yeah mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and I, I think that that's where the jazz and funk influence comes into Aunt Jello is we, we we are a rock band at, like the core but then we have these instrumentations and like even our chord progressions sometimes are like what like I like look over at Angela and I'm like dude what like what is going on like what are we playing right now I, I don't even I'm just playing notes it's very at this hard point. for a saxophonist yeah. when the chord progressions are like not set to like one key like because he's just trying to riff in one key and then we'll like borrow a chord from a different key and like it's yeah it's but like that's what makes it like that's what makes me love our music personally is just that it's like our own artistic like it's we're painting with like a bunch of different brushes you know we don't have to confine ourselves to a specific genre kind of all over the place Mm -hmm. it also it probably I, I'm a singer first like I took vocal lessons and I was trying to sing first so I think it's like weird for me to jam because it's like what am I am I like yeah you know you <laughs> know are there any other upcoming events that y'all want to plug besides Rock the Plaza now that we're here any future plans March 4th we're yeah. having a show called Base Camp it's at my, my basement. Um, it's going to be super fun. Uh, definitely, if we've been putting a lot of work in, uh, put a lot of work in to get the basement as ready for a show as possible. You know, I mean, it's a basement, so he put some don't, don't be too, up. don't get your, hi- your hopes too high. The ceiling's a little low, but it's going to be an amazing show nonetheless. And, you know, everybody is invited. Everyone is welcome. The past month, we've been collaborating with local songwriter Danny Shaw, and we actually have a song that we're going to perform with him there as well. Yay, that's mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah. I was just going to say, go to our Instagram for details. I'm sure we'll get a poster out for that or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, I'm trying to keep it all straight in my head. I know we're playing <laughs> a house show next month with 
Billy and the kids in general being. And then after that, we're playing Bombs Away with the Max. Mm. Nice. And then there's a couple secret, the dates aren't confirmed <laughs> yet, but there's going to be something called Dog Stock. That's all I could say about that. Uh, and then uh, the Jug House is putting something together for the start of the summer, I believe. I think that's everything we got. Oh, and we're playing our first Portland show in April, on April 9th at the Hawthorne Hideaway. Oh, exciting. With nice. the bands we just played with at Bombs Away, uh, Spooky Boys and Silver Tongue. So, Sweet. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. That's really exciting. Well, yeah, definitely for our listeners again, come see Rock the Plaza this Friday. It's going to be from 8 to 9.30 p.m. There's a surprise. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm excited. Uh, they're going to be doing some recording. It's the end of E-Week. It's free. Get out of your dorm rooms. Get out of your apartments. Stop watching Euphoria. I don't know. Come watch. <laughs> come come, just, you know, come hang out. Come and meet dance. some new people. And dance. dance. Yeah. Absolutely. We love the dance. You might be allowed to dance forward and backwards at this one, too. Oh, there's enough the space for that. There, some, yeah. there you go. Some lights going too, you know. And you can't get the PAs because we're on a stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next oh time. no, I'm probably encouraging them to like jump up on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of like with uh, my Onion Machine interview, I wanted to end it out with everybody giving a song recommendation. It can be just a personal one or one that maybe you feel like connects with the band, just something that you've been listening to a lot recently. I'll give everybody a second to think, unless. People already yeah, know. I know mine already. You go. I got mine too. Heat Above by Greta Van Fleet. It's one of my favorite songs right now. It's like very majestic and environmental. It sets a very cool tone and it's a great song. That's what I would recommend. Nice. Yeah, uh, Future Future Me Hates Me by The Beths. It's been great. The lyrics are so good. Um, someone who I kind of talked about earlier, I think, but uh, Fists of Fury by Cosmi Washington. It's an amazing jazz track. whole album is amazing, but um, I definitely have been listening to it a lot with the intention of trying to pull some like vocal harmonies. Yeah, so I've got a weird one. It's called Wiggle Core, all caps, by Floor Baba. And this one's, this one's just really weird, and I don't know how to describe it, but it's pretty exciting, and I think your ears will enjoy it. So check it out. I'll drop a Spanish one, Todo Tiene Su Fin by Modulus. Um, I'm going to go to like the live recording stuff that you were talking about earlier. I've been thinking ever since you like brought that up, I was thinking about MTV Unplugged. Mm-hmm. Allison Chains did excellent. Down in a Hole on that is probably the best take they've had, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. That whole set's That's amazing. What yeah. So good, yeah. Have you listened to the OCs before? I don't think I have. Oh, you should. They're another band that has two drummers. I I saw them uh, at the Crystal Ballroom a couple months ago, and they were amazing, and their live album is wonderful. Definitely, yeah. We need more inspiration for double percussion bands (laughs) because it's relatively new to us. Yeah. I have a song recommendation for all of you. Awesome. Uh, You should listen to the song Talking Heads by Black Midi. It's really good. They're one of my favorites recently. Black Midi, they're like like experimental, right? Yeah, kind of like... break core but kind of rockish too inspiration mm-hmm. i don't know it's a lot mixed but the drums in that one are amazing so wait so talking heads is the band no uh, oh, the song okay. is called talking heads but the band is black midi okay okay yeah it's pretty sick send them the group chat would you i got it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sweet well thank you so awesome. much yeah, for joining you. me today Thanks Thanks for yeah this is amazing yeah again everybody check out uh rock the plaza this friday and 
Uh, make sure you check out the Deans and Aunt Jello on all streaming platforms, Spotify, anywhere you listen to music. Uh, follow them both on Instagram. The Deans are at the Deans Music. That's T H E D E A N S M U S I C. That's all one word. And for Aunt Jello, that's ant.jello. That's A N T dot J E L L O. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Page. If you're listening to us on iTunes, then make sure you subscribe to get updates when a new episode is released. And we always love to hear from you, so don't be shy. Leave us a review. Give us a follow on our socials at OSU Prism. That's at O-S-U-P-R-I-S-M. Or check out our website, which is linked in the description. Big thanks to KBVRFM for your support in getting this podcast out on the radio. And thank you to Orange Media Network for making this podcast possible. We'll see you next time when we journey beyond the page.